Mousies and bairns, dress yourself eye clean and neat. Dinay tell your father that you've joined the dancing school, and think na on the lying Scots miles that lie between us and our hame. Fair, do you ken what time it is? Aye, it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> We are gonna get so much hate mail. We're impressed. Love mail. Um. Maybe we will inspire emotions that have yet to be named. Oh, I can't wait! I'd be so proud. Welcome back. I am Omen Said, and I am Nick McGill. Together, we are Feckless Moms, and this is Talk Tall to Me, a gothic early romantic ride after a few pints too many across the dim mossy acres of Prague Rock, in which Numpty Nick and Bobag Omen will ride. The old mayor of our wit through every phantasmagoric hallucination of a song that prog rock band Jethro Tull ever recorded. We will stumble past the haunted church of Benefit, tipsily trot past the gibbet irons of Aqualung, and canter in a mad panic through the witch's promise. And all this trouble just to return to our sulky, sullen dame, Ian Anderson, who sits gathering her brows like gathering storm, nursing her wrath. To keep it warm. Wow, that was poetic, Omen. It was actually stolen poetry. So yeah, I hope uh, so. Pirate poetry. Yeah, yeah. So Nick, big episode this week. Yeah, yeah, we do. I think before we get into anything, we need. I think we've got some mail from Mary. I believe. Oh, there's a knock at the door. Mary!、Oh, hello, Mary. Oh wait, Mary, that's not mail. What Mary, is what is that terrible smell? Oh no! I've brought a birthday haggis. Oh, oh. no! The candles the just ca- stuck them. The fat's going everywhere, just like he likes it.、Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I. Not, it's never going to come out of the rug. Y- you know, I think this is a good time to to kind of reveal the fact that Mary was was actually uh, uh, Ian Anderson's nursemaid growing up. That's right. It was very、right. little, yeah. So she knows. The candles are starting to catch the haggis on fire. Oh, okay. Get that outside, Mary. Blow it out. Blow it out. Outside. Blow it out. Goodness, that was festive. Yeah. So I think this is a great time to reveal that that today is. We have a very special birthday boy. We have a special birthday boy today. It is one young Mister Ian Anderson. Seventy-four years old today. Happy birthday to Tull! Happy birthday to Tull! How many flutes do you own? Probably more than your age, and many more, and many more. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mr. Anderson! If you are, and I know you are, listening, we、uh, <laughs> we appreciate your contribution to this wonderful world of music that we are delving、yes. into. So, inadvisedly deeply. Yeah, happy happy birthday to the founder of the feast. We we wouldn't be here without without you. And we, as much as we rag on、uh, Mr. Anderson, we we genuinely hold affection in our hearts for him. Absolutely. And hope he's having a wonderful day. Yeah, happy、Doing、whatever makes him、birthday. happy. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds a bit dramatic, but you, seriously, we wouldn't be here without without Ian Anderson. So yeah, that's that's just logic. That's just plain. Logic. 
Nick, what else do we have before we dive into this week's song? We have nothing else. That's Amazing. it. That's the little bit of housekeeping. We are going to get into a literary inspired song this and week. And what is that song, Nick McGill? This song is track number seven. We are halfway through side B of Heavy Horses. Wow. This album is galloping past. I know. It seems to have ripped, really. We are on One Brown Mouse. Yes, we are. <laughs> and let's take a listen to that mouse. Yes. With our little mouse ears. Let's let's listen to this mouse peep, peep away. <laughs> Nick McGill. Omen. Omen's hate. There we have one brown mouse. There it is. There's that little mouse. What a what a lovely song. It's such a treat. This It's such a treat. It's it's a very sweet sound. This as you know, I I caught my tall teeth on Thick as a Brick, Aqualung, Benefit, and Songs from the Wood. Sure. I would compare this closest to Songs from the Wood, but it's it's got it's a very unique sound even compared to that. So I remember when like we first got a computer and first got the internet when I was like thirteen or so. I was like, Ooh, yeah. It, I don't know what I was. I guess it was a Yahoo search. I don't AOL search. I don't know what I was searching on because it wasn't Google at the time. But no, I was no. I was looking for Tull, and I found a site that had a couple of like fifteen second clips uh, of sure. their songs. Which, at that time, 15 seconds of a song was enough to blow out your internet connection and leave a, a smoking, melted cable. Uh, a crater in the ground. Yes. But it, it was, like, embedded on the site in with Winamp or something, whatever wacky programs there were back then. Yeah. And I, I found one brown mouse. And it, I just thought it was the weirdest, greatest sound because I didn't know the full pantheon of Tull. I didn't know what other Tull albums existed because I wasn't looking at them on Wikipedia, you know? Well, sure, yeah. I was, you know, as if you had only seen ever blue and green your entire life and then someone was like, check out yellow for hey, 15 seconds. Dude, there's yellow here. There's what? yellow. Yeah. You hadn't tasted the rainbow of Tull yet. It was pretty mind-blowing, but also, like, I had no... I had no access to listening to the full song. I didn't right. know that it was from uh, some disparate album that I had no idea about. So it was it was this little kind of precursor to later tall life, but the sound of this song yes really just knocked me on my butt. It's gorgeous. It is unique. I you said it was sweet. I totally mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. I think it has a real warmth and affection that is nice yeah <laughs> i hate the way i hate the word nice <laughs> it has a warmth and affection that is uh refreshing and mm-hmm. a little bit unusual and totally dis disarming yeah there's a lot of good flavor in this particularly thinking about the other animal themed songs that we've heard thus far sure if you compare it to mouse police for instance yeah which you know let us acknowledge that this is the se- this is the second mention of mice in this album right this is active mouse as opposed to passive mouse but yeah mouse as subject rather than mouse as prey yeah 
but also mouse police feels like a the, the sound feels like a cat uh, rover the sound feels like a dog mm. this kind of feels like a mouse or at least the way that i would f- i would hear my internal soundtrack when looking at a mouse this song fondly. sounds like what it feels like to pet a mouse yeah yeah that's a very good way to put it and then let's think about our next track heavy horses think about the sound of heavy horses following up right after this they're all so very distinct they're all so very solid it's a very animalistically dynamic it is well observed you know one of the things mm-hmm. that I love about Ian's approach to music is that, and his lyricism, is that he is so specific. He observes things so directly and translates the reality of them to song rather than an idea of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so easy to say, oh, this is my idea of of a cat and okay cat 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 meow, yeah meow. right but it's much more the the sign of a true artist to really observe a cat and say oh what are those undulations i'm gonna somehow translate those mm-hmm. into a baseline yeah yeah or or some really poetic flowy verse without knowing the literary origins of this song i would say bang on this is this is observational like the other ones that we've heard thus far. But there's a little more to it than that. But we'll, we, we'll get into that when we get into actual lyrics. But So, regarding the music. Yeah, so let's, yeah, let's, let's dip into music specifically. Starts out super lovely acoustic. Then it goes into some pleasant organ, bass, and drums. That's our opener. Yeah, I had to play a little game of flute or organ in that intro, but my conclusion led me to believe that it is as you say, organ. Yeah, I think so. It's got that kind of air pipey, yes. like oompa organy sound, as opposed to like a pr- more precise. In fact, I don't think there is any flute in the entire song. I don't think so. The mouse is living in the flute, which I'm okay with because Mouse Police was very flute heavy, if I remember correctly. So, so it's a nice little. Whether it's intentional or not, it's a nice, nice little nod to that beat not being a part of the mouse's world, almost. And if you weren't okay with it, there would be nothing that we could do. Absolutely nothing, so I might as well you, be okay. You might as well. <laughs> there is a wonderful build throughout the first couple of verses where, you know, we start out, as you say, with the acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. the organ piping in. And then it it really layers and there is a lovely crescendo with the drum and bass mm-hmm. throughout the first yeah. verse or so that that it creeps up on you in a pleasant way. Another tea time, another day older. Off one breath of your tiny hands. You wish you were a man. There's nothing so that stands out so drastically in this song, aside from the organ. Nobody's really taken a, a, a stance here to, to play our faces off. I might push back on you a little bit on that. Okay. And oh, are you talking about Martin's guitar? And, I uh, am. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that slide, the slide along the... the that's pretty great. It's pretty great. Do you wonder if I really Which one am I? 
If you listen to his whole contribution on the chorus, mm-hmm. do you wonder if I really care for you? Martin lets out a lot of guitar passion, and it is, as we've talked about in previous episodes, gentlemanly and reserved and not, you know, it doesn't spill out over the edges, but it is very, very awesome. It is. It's it's nice. It's not... If you're not really listening to it, though, it's not like, and maybe this is because of the Steve Wilson remix, I'm not sure, but in terms of balance, everything seems to be along the same plane. Yes, Yes, I agree. It is the way that it is structured. The volume of the guitar doesn't overwhelm anything else. I agree. Yeah. It is supporting in that regard. But the playing itself yeah. is ugh. still great. Yeah, absolutely. Exemplary. Now, I think I actually have in my notes that on that little little tweedly bridge, we do have flute. So let me check really quick and see. So we do have flute in there, but I think that might be the only spot. I agree. Yeah. Thank you for catching that. I, I would have felt so embarrassed to have missed a flute. I, I know, right? But but like you said, it is very similar in tone to the organ. So it's, I'd say it's forgivable. But the, how do you feel about that little, that bridge, that little dainty little breakdown? What do you think about that? I like it. I always, you know, I, I'm a very... Uh, visual person i always visualized music especially when i was younger mm-hmm. and i i always sort of imagined a little a mouse dance uh, you know some mice That's dancing ex- or, yeah or ian yeah. shrinking down to the size of a mouse and dancing with the mouse oh absolutely if this were like a, a an early 80s a late 70s early 80s animation yes it would be yes absolutely i i see I get a little bit of the Rat King from Nutcracker. Yep. I get a little bit of Templeton from Charlotte's Web in this. Little Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Yeah, your your standard English anthropomorphization. Yeah, yeah a little sure. Redwall Mouse Frolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's super big into anthropomorphization in this album. And it's, it's nice because l- last album was all about describing the nature itself bringing nature as an entity as a living thing as yes. as an animistic thing and now it's it's animals so we're seeing animals in this one yeah yeah and more of the direct interaction between him yes and the mm-hmm. animals it's less passively observational more participatorily yeah. observational yeah. we have mm-hmm. a fun key change oh yeah that then we unchange we change back to the original key <laughs> yeah. when the verse comes back in that's in that bridge is just a little key change, as you're saying. Yes, there okay. is a key change involved in that bridge. It's when it goes D D. <laughs> that wasn't very useful. Perfect, perfect key change. Got it. I totally understand now. Yep. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a cool when we go back into the singing after the bridge. Mm-hmm. Barrymore, Mister BB, puts down a kind of a military march drum roll in there. Did you notice that? 
I think I did. I think I've noticed it in the past before. I don't know why it didn't strike. Maybe because I noticed it so regularly. I'm not sure. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Which is funny to me because it it sort of doesn't go thematically. No, it's a curious choice. Well, to me, I guess what it, it, it kind of amps up the sense of the nobility of the mouse. You know, it's it's mm. formal. I, I don't think it... Okay. To me, it doesn't it doesn't come off as military, 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 like the mouse is going off to war. It's more right. like this mouse is getting formal recognition. Almost like almost like it's getting knighted. By Sir Ian Anderson. By Ian, yeah. By Queen Ian. Yeah. <laughs> he he does have that power. The Queen did bestow that power on him. Only for only mice. like only small mammals, yes. yeah. But but it's, still. <laughs> He asked for special dispensation for the salmon, and, and she said no. She's like, you may, she's tough. Your Majesty Ian is requesting to benight more animals. Is it smaller than a bread box or bigger than a bread box? <laughs> you know my feelings. It's smaller than a bread box. Then so be it. Is it a mammal? <laughs> uh, I believe so. Though I say yes. <laughs> I draw the line at a capybara. Actual footage, yeah. <laughs> We, it took forever to dig up that that audio, Nick. Yeah, it's uh, free use though. So if anyone else wants to use it, well, because we'll it's it's link. out of it's public domain because it's over a hundred years old. Yep, that's it. I love the ending of this song. The way we haven't heard in a while that kind of delightful Ian guitar acoustic noodling, and he does it so well. And it's less it's less pained, I think, than it was in the earlier albums. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like Baker Street Muse where you, where you hear him like <laughs> forcing yeah. his will on the guitar. Yeah, and yeah. It it comes with the the flavor of the song and the years of experience. Yeah, it's easy, and he yeah. wraps it up with that delightful harmonic note. Mm. It's pretty. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice, sweet little kind of. It's not it's not a fade out in terms of the volume of of the track itself, but everything kind of comes to a nice little. A nice little close. Indeed. Yeah. So shall we do lyrics then? Yeah, I think we should, because I think that we have rather a lot to talk about. Rather yeah. a lot to talk about here. Let's get into, a, this is an actual clip from the live album Bursting Out. Fantastic. Where Ian is introducing this song, and it gives us... One of those rare instances, if you weren't there to see it happen, it gives us one of those rare instances of Ian kind of pulling back the curtain and, and in just a throwaway line, letting you know the depth that this man works on to to create his music. A glimpse beneath the kilt, as it were. Yeah. Ooh, mm, mm. here it is. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. This one is actually... Uh... Inspired by the Scottish poet, Mr. Robert Burns, who, had he been able to tune his guitar in open E tuning, would have certainly written this song dedicated to one brown mouse, an ode to thank you. Hmm? Yes, maybe. Good. Well, that's good enough. That's good enough. Now strain yourself. Brum, bum, 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 billion, bum, 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 it goes. Ready? Good. What? A strange man. <laughs> I love I love when he's not like really dare I say maliciously taking the piss out of the other band members. This awkward banter, I love it so much. So strange. I, it's it's so endearing Don't to me. Don't strain yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about Robert 
Burns. And before we do, let's talk about the fact that this is not the first Robert Burns reference in a Jethro Tull song. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aqualung, my friend, don't you start away uneasy. Aqualung, my friend, don't you start away uneasy. He admitted that he lifted that line or adapted that line from a Robert Burns poem. And I believe uh-huh. it is this Robert Burns poem to a mouse. That's right. Subtitled, On Turning Up Her Nest with the Plow, November 1785. So he was clearly, even long before having moved to the country, even even before he himself became a country mouse, he was reading Robert Burns's poetry. As well he should because... Robert Burns is considered the national poet of Scotland, and he is right. celebrated across the world. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1759, died 1796, and in that time he wrote in a mixture of Scots and English. He kind of created a, a style of blending the two languages so that it was accessible to English re- speakers, yeah, but that it was uplifting the Scots language. Yeah, just on a, on a quick side note, if I'll, I'll put the Wikipedia link to the specific poem to a mouse. Yes, which in we the, can read the show notes as well, and we'll read bits of it too. But it's it's really we cannot do it justice by speaking it. Like you, you should take a look at the text as it's laid out. It's it's really fascinating to see and to kind of read to yourself. It's it's great. His life and death was one of the sort of marked the beginning of the what is considered the romantic period in literature. Mm-hmm. He was a proponent of socialism. Hey. And he was a farmer. Mm-hmm. So he was born to a self-educated farmer, and by the age of 15, he was the primary laborer on the family farm. And a lot of his early life is filled with struggles of keeping the farm and trying to sell the farm and trying to get the farm back and and money troubles and eventually and he was writing poetry all throughout this time and eventually a mentor of his said you know i know you want a bunch of money so you can go to jamaica because that was a thing you know the colonization of the new world oh that's right yeah fair enough he said why don't you go and sell some of your poems and so he eventually went to edinburgh and Sold poems for a ton of money, you know, for him. Right. And was accepted into the kind of intellectual classes, and that was that was it. And the rest is poetic history. And the rest is poetic history. But he always, he always maintained that sense of noble simplicity, that connection to the countryside, and, and took inspiration from everyday working life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this poem... According to the legend, he was plowing his fields and accidentally destroyed a nest. As happens. Yeah, which the mouse needed to survive the winter. And Burns's brother claimed that he was so struck, that Burns was so struck by it, that he, he composed the poem while still holding the plow. <laughs> Must have been a very annoying person to work with. <laughs> as, as, a, as a farmer, as far yeah. as farmers go. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, did the... Uh... Did the East Field get sown with barley? Well, it would have, but uh, Rabbi Rabbi hit a mouse, so, you know, we'll have to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Also, one more note about his other works. He has a poem called John Barleycorn, Mm. which is 
a very common kind of folk song, John Barleycorn Must Die. Sure. Uh, that a lot of folk musicians cover and rock. Or, or do their own versions of folk rock, right? And John, John Barleycorn Must Die is one of my favorite tall songs, and it's off of a little light music. Yes. That's the only time you'll see it is uh is that it's in the uh on that live tr- album. The intro our our introduction to the to the episode today was inspired by Robert Burns's Tam O'Shanter. Oh. That one. That one. Shall we read the first two stanzas of Robert Burns' To a Mouse? To a Mouse on Turning Up Her Nest with a Plow, November 1785. We sleek it, cowrin, timorous beastie, oh, what a panic's in thy breastie. Thou need na star awa, say hasty, with bickerin' brattle. I wad be lath to rin and chase thee, with murderin' prattle. I'm truly sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union and justifies that ill opinion which makes thee startle at me, thy poor earth-born companion and fellow mortal. Hmm. I like it. You know, there's something in it. There, there are two things I feel, you know, there's the, there's the shock in the first stanza the shock at seeing mm-hmm. the mouse and the and the admiration for how sleek and in a panic it is yeah and you know and an effort to try to comfort it saying oh look i'm not going to chase you i'm not i'm not trying to hurt you right right yeah and then the second lyric is 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 more this recognition of of that you know i and the mouse are the same really we are both earthborn mortals mm-hmm and there's there's genuine remorse there because it's not like oh I'm I'm the superior superior animal it's it's more we're we're both trying to get by yeah yeah you're trying to live in that nest and survive the winter I'm just trying to plow my field I feel I feel terrible about yeah, this yeah that human industry has disrupted your sort of natural state mm-hmm. yeah so if we look at one brown mouse by Ian Anderson yeah smile your little smile. Take some tea with me a while. Brush away that black cloud from your shoulder. Twitch your whiskers. Feel that you're really real. Another tea time, another day older. Smile, you little smile. Take some tea with me a while. Brush away that black cloud from your shoulder. Twitch your whiskers. Feel that you're really real. So just taking those lyrics by themselves, Nick, what do you make of that? So this is not just a direct inspiration and song version of To a Mouse, I think. I think No, I agree. This yeah. is inspiration and this is comparing, this is taking that bass and building off of it and it is more of a... It's a point of view of his this observation, this animalistic observation that we've been seeing. So this is this is Ian sitting having tea, and every, it seems like every time he sits down to have tea, a mouse comes out of the wall yeah. or, or or somewhere, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Oh, hey, we're we're sharing this moment, and it's not just a one off. Like yeah. this seems to be a regular thing." It's so the tea time, mousey. Yeah, exactly. I I have two different kind of theories as to how this occurred. So one is that, you know, having bought an old estate 
in the English countryside, it is very easy to imagine that a mouse might pop out of the wall at any given time. And, you know, having having had my experiences living in upstate New York and in older houses, mice do that. That they do. And sometimes they just pop out and stare at you for a little bit. My other theory is that his overturning the nest with the plow moment was that the cat brought in a mouse or cornered a mouse and Ian had a a moment of of compassion and rescued it and put it in a cage as a pet. Oh, well yeah. Yeah, one brown mouse sitting in a cage. That's right. Right, cuz most of the most of the lyrics reference behind your glass or mm-hmm. in a cage or you know the the things that we furnish mice with when we hold them captive slash domesticate them. Yeah, and the mouse happens to be in the kitchen where he sees it where when he takes his tea. Oh, yes, or yeah. he keeps it on his writing desk. I mean, who knows? Sure, right, right, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. I, I didn't even think about that part of it, but yeah, I like that. I think that's valid. Or it's an amalgam. It's an amalgamouse. <laughs> an amalgam. Aren't we all, though? Just a, l- a little amalgamouse. <laughs> amalgamice. <laughs> Puff warm breath on your tiny hands. You wish you were a man who every day can turn another page. Puff warm breath on your tiny hands. You wish you were a man who every day can turn another page. Yeah, so he's sitting here reading his book and observing the mouse at the same time. The mouse just happens to be looking at him pointed in his direction and he's he's thinking oh does the mouse want to be reading this book you know is does he want to be man yeah he's he's he, it's a stretch but but i i think that's what it is ultimately is whether he believes that or not i think there's also kind of a, a reversal of the burns poem in here okay if we look at the last two verses of the burns poem the best laid schemes of mice and men gain aft aglay, and leas not but grief and pain for promised joy. Still thou art blessed compared with me. The present only toucheth thee. But ah, I backward cast me eye on prospects dear, and forward though I cannot see, I guess and fear. Mm-hmm. So there's this sense of Burns being jealous of the mouse's state that the mouse only lives in the present whereas he a man is always casting his mind backwards upon you know various various things or forwards with fear the tall lyrics kind of reverse that yeah you know burns is saying oh i kind of wish i was a mouse and ian is saying oh i bet you kind of wish out you were a human <laughs> yeah because i can start anew every day whereas you are stuck Right, it's it's grass is always greener, yeah. Yeah, the glass is always cleaner. I just read further on in this Wikipedia article, the first stanza of the poem is read by Ian Anderson in the beginning of the 2007 remaster of One Brown Mouse by Tull. Anderson adds the line, but a mouse is a mouse for all that, at the end of the stanza, which is a reference to another of Burns's songs, is therefore honest poverty commonly known as a man's a man for a that. Mm. We sleek at current timorous beastie. Oh, what a panic's in thy breastie. Thou needna start a war so hasty with bickering brattle. But a mouse is a mouse 
for all that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of intertwining here. It's it's sort of as if one brown mouse is a is a banyan tree which is growing over the rocks mm. of Tua Mouse, and so it's really hard to separate their structures because yeah. the structure of one brown mouse is so influenced and intertwined with the structure of the Burns poem. Yeah, and it feels more. Like, yes, it's this is the base of this song, but there's more sl- stretching out of just Robert Burns' appreciation, it seems. Yes. Yeah. And I and I think the the part that for me feels the most Ian Anderson, sort of native Ian, mm-hmm. is the chorus. Do you wonder if I really care for you? Am I just the company you keep? Which one of us exercises on the old treadmill who hides his head pretending to sleep? Do you wonder if I really You know, the setup is, oh, you're a mouse in a cage. You can't go anywhere. I have all the freedom and I have, you know, all the ability to change what I do on a daily basis. And then Mm -hmm. there's this sort of, but do I? (laughs) Yeah, right. Am I not also in a cage of my own design? Yeah, whether whether you feel obligated to run on the treadmill or or anything else like that could be that could be the little the little spinny wheel, you know, that a that a hamster wheel. Or oh, absolutely. It could be yes. a legitimate treadmill. And yeah. yeah, that's that's I like that. I like the questionable juxtaposition here. Who hides his head pretending to sleep? I imagine there were times on the tour bus or the airplane where someone was like, "Oh, we should ask Ian." Oh, no, he's asleep oh, and he's like, oh. "Yes, I'm I'm a, I'm freaking asleep right now. We don't disturb you. If the hat is under the eyes, don't come a knocking. That's right. <laughs> also, one final reference to the the poem itself. This is the inspiration for the title of of Mice and Men. John Steinbeck. Yes. That quote: "The best laid schemes of mice and men, best laid plans of mice and men." Too often yeah. to go astray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I'm realizing, you know, having just just barely read this morning a tiny amount of Burns, you see how much he's influenced everything that comes after him. And even even if you look at the poem that I mentioned before, Tam O'Shanter, mm-hmm. it feels like maybe the direct inspiration for The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. You know, there's this Ooh. running away from all these demons and witches and things and your horse barely making it across the magic bridge just uh-huh. in time. Yeah. You know, that's that's a theme that lives on in our imaginations. Yeah, that's... Mm, I like it. I like that. That's interesting. What else we got to, to say about One Brown Mouse? It's not... It's not mind-blowing. You know, and it's... Yet, and yet... Oh, my gosh. You know, I think that it's so... It's not long and it's not complex, but it's very deep. Mm-hmm. Looking at the mouse and being like... Okay, our lives are really different, but wait a minute. Are our lives really that different? We're both mortal. We both live on the earth. We're both struggling. That wee bit heap o' leaves and stibble has cost thee munia a weary nibble. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's yeah, that's the same thing as 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 I said way back in in the beginning when he turns up the nest. It's yeah, he's you're trying to survive. I'm trying to survive. We just we struggle in our own ways, but they're not that different. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's about to upturn my nest with his plow? Right, my my metaphorical nest, but oh yes, don't yes, don't look in the other room then. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Is that, what, is that what that noise is? Just a plow. <laughs> it's a fire hazard. I'm curious about the the whole book metaphor within the tall song. Mm. Behind your glass, you sit and look at my ever open book. Behind your glass, you sit and look at my ever open book. And then a little bit later, and every day we'll turn another page. Behind our glass, we'll sit and look at our ever open book. And every day we. Yeah, well, I think, I think the first is a reference to like what you said. If it's at his writing desk, it's where mm. it's where he sits and reads a book. But also, the second portion is is where you said he's he's really not so different. So he's encapsulated. Maybe he feels obligated to read this book. Maybe this book is the book that he read that inspired songs from the wood. You know, mm. that he's reading for interest, but also because now he's writing an album about it. So he's got to sit. He can't sit down and do it for leisure. Like it's it's part of his job now. It's inescapable. Yeah. It's like I'm looking at the book because it's what I build the nest of my music career with. And you're looking at the book because you want to turn it into a literal mouse nest. Yeah. Oh, those those, those pages look look pretty really dry. Nice, really yeah. soft. Mm. I also wonder if there's a sense of. The book being a double metaphor in the first instance, being a metaphor of, oh, yes, this is my book. This is how I control and plan my life. I see my past. I see my future. Yes, I can turn the page. Okay. And then at the end of the song, we're both inside. We're both behind the glass looking at the book, not being able to control it. And the the ever open book is the story of our lives that is unfolding before us. And, and, And I can't. I can't turn the page. I've lost control. I cannot physically get to that page to then therefore turn it. The page will turn when it turns. The plow will overturn our nest when it does. Yeah. The turning of the page is definitely like a a reference to time, for sure. Yeah. And I think the illusion of control versus the knowledge that you have, that what you actually can control in your life is pretty limited. Right. And what do you gain from knowing that you don't actually have control? Ignorance is bliss here. And maybe when you're the mouse, it's actually a better life. Still, thou art blessed compared with me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Have you ever had a pet mouse? Yes. Yeah. I, I had hamsters as a kid a couple of times, like through the years. We had Ray's mom had a snake that when the the mouse that she got to feed it was too big. We ended up adopting it. Mm. We named him Mousy Pringle. And <laughs> and we had rats, too, actually. After college, we had, a, we had a handful of rats. We had, we had more rats than we wanted because she, she adopted, like, Ray adopted three, and one of one or two of them ended up being pregnant. Yeah, and it was an infinite number of rats. Oh, there. my gosh. Exponential. Like, just so many rats. I had rats once, but they weren't pets. Believe it or not, rat condoms are crazy expensive. 
Yes, and so finicky. So finicky. So are these, is this the right one? Oh, no, it's inside out. No, oh, damn right. it. Damn it. Oh. And it ripped. All right. Oh, you no. know what? Just um, just be careful. Just <laughs> <laughs> you, you never... Did you ever have any I've little never caged beasties? Gun, no. oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I never had... Goodness. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Happy birthday, Ian Anderson. Did you ever have any caged beasties? I don't recall you ever having any. Oh, I sure did. Uh, I had a, a snake. Did you? That was before before I knew you. It oh, it was when I was a wee little baron, and yeah. and it was just something that I caught. And we, oh, we wow. had numbers of terrariums at our disposal for reasons that I'm not super clear on, but probably has something <laughs> to do with my parents being scientists. Yeah, that, that makes the most sense. Yeah. And so whenever I caught something, they'd be like, oh, great, put it in this terrarium. So I did have a snake that I recall... I remember having a frog, and I did, in fact, have a mouse. Oh, okay. That I think was caught by a cat, mm-hmm. and I rescued it. And it survived. It survived the attack and and survived the rescue, and I kept it in a terrarium on my dresser for a couple of months. I think I named it Shredder. Huh. That, and that does not compute. It should have been Splinter. If we're, if we're talking Ninja Turtles, it should have been Splinter. I Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it always seemed very interested in getting out of its terrarium. Yes. And one day it did. It was stronger than it looked. And then I think one of the cats ate it. It shredded its way out to its own doom. So, to yeah. its own demise. So I, just, I temporarily, it, I, I put it in limbo and it went to its fate. Yeah, it it hovered there for a while, uh, but then you you let it down into, or you let it find its own way down into one of the levels of hell. But I never, I have to admit, I never gazed at it and thought, how different are our lives, Mousy? Must have been a little too early in your development. I'm a little mad at my parents now that I realize that they never made me read Robert Burns as a small child. (laughs) It seems like something your dad would, would do. I know what I'm getting Rook for his birthday. Like for for your sixth birthday, he just hands you this, this a trip to Scotland, thirty pound leather bound complete works of Robert Burns. No, when I was six, he gave me a small, very sharp locking pocket knife. Checks out. Yeah. Also, that yeah. that works. Yeah. Here's a knife and a book. See you when you're eighteen. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you you didn't see him for for twelve years, and you came back with a full beard just like his, and he said, "You are now a man." Omen, what are we doing next week? Nick, I have the pleasure of telling you that I have no idea. Really? Oh, it's Heavy Horses. There you go, yeah. Heavy Horses. Got there. Title track off of the album, second to last song, uh, not including bonus tracks, obviously. From the mouse to the plow to the horse that pulls it. There it is. We're We're all connected. Stepping stones. Until next week, you don't... You don't need to hide in, in your pa- your toilet paper tube. You can come out, look out the glass. 
and you can dictate to me what your review should be, and I'll type it up. You're not getting out of your cage. We remember what happened last time. That's right. But I'll be more than happy to click five stars for you. If a giant plow overturns your household and leaves your stibble all about in the sleety dribble, you can take comfort in the five cold stars that are above you and share that comfort with your fellow mice who are we. And even better, the bonus content offered to you through Patreon Oh yes, is sweet, sweet solace. You can hear us talk tall with you in a bonus podcast, and you can talk to other sweet, scared little mice in our Discord server. That's right. Running around in our Discord server, desperately fine to find a piece of cheese. Will they ever get out? We hope not. I'll take a carrot. I don't even need cheese. At this point, I'm, I'm fine with a carrot. Yeah, a little bit of apple, get some hydration. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until then, I am the whisker-grooming Omen Said. I'm the wee timorous beastie, Nick McGill. We are the broken nature's social union, feckless moms. <laughs> And this is the plow rending asunder your minds that is talked all to me. Nice. For Nanny, far before the rest, hard upon noble Maggie pressed. Aye. And flew at Tam with furious Ethel. But little wist she Maggie's metal. Aye, yeah. Aye, spring brought off her master's hail, but left behind her an grey tail. The carlin caught her by the rump and left poor Maggie scarce a stump. <gasps> now, wa this tale of truth shall read. Ilk man and mother's son take heed. Whene'er to drink you're inclined, or cutty sarks run in your mind, think ye may buy joys or dear. Remember that Talk Tultimy is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Ear. I. Oh, yeah. I. Thank you. Thank you. Now get back to work. Uh, back to the peat marsh. <laughs> <laughs>